Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the trade addicts podcast thank you and enjoy your podcast from dynastyweekbookbob.com in the DLF family of podcasts, that's Shep, Shep, Shepherd Brian R. Hey guys, time for a Lombardi luge. Uh, is that a real theme? Did you just make that up just now? Nope, Travis Kelsey on the Lombardi trophy, baby. Oh, really? Yes, sir. <laughs> How did I miss that? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's so smart. Well... That's like, yeah. let me finish the intro and then we're going to come back to this. I am John, Super Bowl Hangover Hogue, and this is the Super Flex Super Show. All right, anyways, back to, back to important business here. Because, uh, I mean, it's kind of like what they do with the Stanley Cup, essentially, but... Um, I think though the Lombardi Trophy, like each each Super Bowl winner gets their own, right? Like it's a it's a fresh, clean one. So you're you're just like drinking a beer off of like a, an untainted. I mean, other than the fact that like all those sweaty hands just touched it. Yeah, like you know, maybe 150 guys might have kissed it or something. You know, the <laughs> yeah. 53 on the team and then the support staff and all that. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, but still, not the Stanley Cup from like. 1874 or whatever yeah but yeah. still pretty cool yeah i guess he well and and part of the story i guess he grew up a hockey fan and that, that's the whole reason he did it he always wanted to drink a beer out of or or, or a beverage out of the stanley cup and mm. he ended up being a football player so yeah there's a picture of him on the plane he's holding the lombardi up and he pours a beer up at the top by the football and it runs down the lombardi trophy and he chugs it it's pretty sweet <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of cool but uh i mean you you definitely can't be a germaphobe no that. no because i mean if if you think of, if you put any kind of thought into it whatsoever what you essentially just did is you just drank a beer out of andy reed's mustache <laughs> and who knows what's in that thing yeah yeah who <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, especially yeah. Now that it, now that he's in Kansas City, I mean, it's all kinds of different different kinds of of smoked meats just kind of hanging out in there, waiting to waiting to get washed out and in, uh, into straight into Travis Kelsey's mouth via the Lombardi Trophy. But that's still <laughs> not as bad as the Stanley Cup. That's the thing. Like that's what makes me think about that is the fact that those guys do that every single year. They win the Stanley Cup. And they st- they drink champagne out of it. They drink beer out of it. They eat their cereal out of it. Like all kinds of stuff with it. And they've every single player on every single uh, NHL champion 
for you know 150 years or whatever has done that <laughs> yeah like you're 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 not just sharing dna with you know your head coach who you're around every day like it, it's guys who have been dead for you know 80 years <laughs> you're yeah, tasting I mean, they, what they ate i think they do wash the the cup man <laughs> i don't care i don't <laughs> care there's not enough disinfectant in the world <laughs> <laughs> to make up for the fact that Gordy Howe had his lips in the exact same spot is where you're sticking to your face. Oh man. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, so Super Bowl's in the books. Uh congratulations, I guess, uh to the uh the Kansas City Chiefs. I know I'm supposed to be happy about the fact that the Lombardi trophy comes back to the AFC West. Um but I was personally enjoying the fact that in my lifetime, the only other AFC West team to win a championship besides the Broncos was uh, the Raiders got one of them, like in the mid-80s. And uh, beyond that, I mean, like the Raiders made it to like one other Super Bowl in like 2003. The Chargers made Yeah. They played yeah. Tampa. Yep. Yep. The Gruden yeah. Bowl. Got smoked by Gruden, yeah. Um, uh, San Diego made it back in 1994. Got crushed by the 49ers. And the Chiefs, I mean, they hadn't even gotten close until this. And it, and meanwhile, the Broncos are there every, you know, every handful of years. They, they've been in the AFC Championship a handful of, of time, Or they only lost one AFC, AFC Championship, and then they made it to in my lifetime um something like seven super bowls mm-hmm. one one three of them like it's 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 been total domination so uh yeah i i'm not real thrilled about the fact that we have to share any kind of that that glory with the chiefs but there it is your your world champions the Kansas City Chiefs and uh Pat Mahomes officially the best quarterback on earth is that is that fair to say yet yeah he was the best quarterback on earth going into this game too but yeah 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 Yeah. i mean and he i mean the thing about mahomes you know obviously a lot of people getting up in arms that he won the mvp i mean they don't win that game without patrick mahomes at quarterback i mean you you could have shady mccoy essentially could have dressed and done what Damian Williams did. And I'm not saying, look, Damian Williams had a hell of a game. Unbelievable game. Great game running the football. Um, But Patrick Mahomes led that team back. Mm-hmm. You know, he made enough throws. He, he, he wasn't at his best. He wasn't. And he still came back from a 10-point deficit in the fourth quarter with six minutes to play in the fourth quarter and won the Super Bowl by 11 yeah. points. So... Yeah. You know, it, it, yeah, he, Patrick Mahomes, he's the best quarterback on the planet right now. Um, and I know, obviously, you know, I'm a huge Lamar Jackson guy from a fantasy perspective and from a leading his team perspective. Um, you know, I, I love Aaron Rodgers, you know, and, and his, 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 you know, historical career and all of that. Um, you know, Brady, same thing. Breeze, same thing. Patrick Mahomes is the next great one. And I think he's, you know, in I mean, think about what he's done. He's not he's 24 years old and he's already won the MVP. He's already, 
won a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP. Um, and I don't think he's reached his his peak. I mean, he's you know he's he's two, three, four years away from probably being at his peak, assuming he can stay healthy. So I mean, good luck NFL. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two two other guys have accomplished uh, what he's done at twenty four years old, winning a Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP. Tom Brady and your boy Big Ben. That's pretty good company. Um. Yeah, that's the other that for from a Broncos fan perspective, that's the other problem here. Uh, he's only twenty four. There's a lot more of these coming. That's that's the unfortunate reality here. Um, it, it might not be Brady level domination, but Mahomes is going to be there, uh, you know, several more times, and he's probably going to win at least one more. Um, and and you know. That's kind of the that's what the rest of the league, but starting with AFC West, has to figure out what are you going to do, what are you going to do about this guy? Uh, you know, you you've you you can build up the defense that definitely is a start, but somehow you got to put points on the board too. That's just that's the reality. I mean, thirty he just put up thirty points on you know arguably the best defense in the league, so. You know, I, I mean, I guess he didn't, he didn't totally do it, but um, that that offense, that offense put up thirty points. So, I mean, that's that's kind of the bar. That's what you've got to be able to do to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Like that's the the bare minimum of is you've got to be able to put thirty points on the board, right? So, but from a fantasy perspective, I guess that's that's what we really want to get to here is is kind of the fantasy implications. And I don't, I, I'm with you. I don't know that it changes anything um, what Pat Mahomes does. Although I I do wonder, you know, the way that game was going. I mean, he had the rushing touchdown. Um, he had, but you know, he had two interceptions. He was under 130 yards passing. You know, kind of. Late in the in the fourth quarter, we were you know halfway through the fourth quarter. That's kind of what his numbers looked like. It was it wasn't pretty. If he if he didn't bring them back, win that game, and take the the Super Bowl MVP, I you know on the same weekend that Lamar Jackson is named, let's see, he was the league MVP, obviously the FedEx Air and Ground Player of the Year. Um one of the two along with Derrick Henry, uh, the AP, uh, no, um, offensive player of the year was Michael, Michael Thomas. Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, was that it? Is that all that Lamar? <laughs> I thought he got a ton of, of accolade. Uh, yeah. MVP in, uh, Aaron ground player of the year. Uh, but still, I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot of hardware on the same weekend that he wins all of that. Um, you know, if Pat Mahomes comes out and puts up an absolute clunker in the Super Bowl, I mean, just kind of hypothetically, who who do you take first overall? Uh, well, okay, not first, second overall. <laughs> Who's your first quarterback off the board in a super flex? Stuff? Yeah, it's Mahomes. It's Mahomes. Yeah, and and I don't even really blink doing it. And, and again, that's not that's not. That's not to discredit Lamar Jackson and what he has done to this point and and what I think he can still do moving forward. You know, 
so here's the one area where I, in all of your arguments early in the Lamar Jackson process, mm-hmm. okay? So this is before you kind of came around and, you know, the, the one that made the absolute most sense to me, and it still makes sense to me, is that his game and 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 with 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 knowledge that Patrick Mahomes has a bit of this in his game as well so it's it's you know but but the fact that Lamar Jackson runs the football so often mm-hmm. um he's liable to take more hits than your average quarterback now i think Patrick Mahomes will take more hits as well I mean, we saw in the Tennessee game, he ran the ball. <laughs> he was their leading rusher, I think, in that game, you know. So yeah. so he has a bit of that in his game as well. Um, so, so I, you know, people out there that are getting triggered right now because they're, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm saying anything negative at all about Lamar Jackson because I love Jackson. Um, but but I think longevity wise, I think Mahomes can stick around longer. Now, do I have I mean I mean realistically I have no idea. <laughs> we we're just going to have to see. Yeah. But I can I feel better about Mahomes long term talking 10 years from now, not necessarily like the next 3 or 4 or 5 because I think Lamar Jackson can you know, he he's going to be the Baltimore Ravens starting quarterback for the next several years. Mm-hmm. Um you know, but but will he have that you know he plants and the knee pops, you know, and then that changes what he is, you know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, that's that is that is the only concern for me. I think he proved so much this year with his ability to pass the football. I think there's, you know, I mean, I think he 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 shut everybody up. He really did. There's nothing you can say about the season that he had. I mean, he threw, he was efficient. He scored a ton of touchdowns. He, I mean, throwing the ball, he, he did all the running stuff that we thought he was going to do. So, you know, he shut everybody up and he was outstanding and he deserved to win the the most valuable player award this year. There's no doubt about it. But if I'm drafting for the 101 in a super flex league or 102 in my case, um, it's Mahomes. So real quick, is it, is that legitimately how you have it ranked? You have uh, Barkley obviously is is one point oh one for you, but then it, go, it gets into the quarterbacks. Yeah. So here, so let me. If I was a smart person, okay. <laughs> so so here's the thing with me and Saquon. Obviously, I mean anybody that's ever heard me on any show knows that I'm probably the biggest Saquon Barkley fan that there is in the world, um, yeah. or or at least top three. So. Yeah. Um, it, I love the kid. I, he's just, he, he played for the school that I graduated from. He, you know, I met him at a couple community events down here. Um, just really like the kid and, and root for his success. Um, for me, I've had the most fun playing fantasy football when I have guys like that on my roster. So I loved Calvin Johnson. He's one of my favorite all-time players ever. And I had more fun watching Calvin Johnson dominate the National Football League for the years that I had him rostered 
than than I've ever had watching football in my life. And that includes my teams, you know, the Steeler teams that I love. I, I just I love watching guys that I root for hard as individuals. I love it when they play for my fantasy teams because it just makes it that much more enjoyable. Um so that's why for me, I would take Saquon because not only is he a stud player and a top five pick for almost everybody, he's my favorite player. So why not? Yeah. And I don't think he puts me at an extreme disadvantage. Like, but I, but I get it. In <laughs> I would super, hope not at one on one. No. And, and it's super flex. I mean, I do understand. You know, I do understand the idea of a quarterback at one on one, and if if it's a quarterback for me, it's Mahomes. That's who I would go with in that spot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I feel like we've talked a lot about kind of that that top tier of quarterbacks. So so we'll try not to go into it too much. But I, I mean, I felt like it's it's kind of relevant to bring up that discussion again. You know, and like again in a weekend where Lamar Jackson is named the league MVP. And Pat Mahomes wins a Super Bowl and is named a Super Bowl MVP. You know, I I, I think that, I mean, those two are probably going to be linked forever anyways. I mean, they're just kind of, and, it, and it's strange because, you know, Deshaun Watson came in the, the same draft class as uh, as Pat Mahomes. And, I mean, he's he's really had pretty similar success. Um, statistically, from a fantasy standpoint, uh, obviously, you know, hasn't accomplished quite as much from an NFL standpoint, but you know, they're, they've been very close to me. Watson is still 1.02, but the one that people are always going to talk about, it's, it's always going to be between Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. I think that's going to be the big debate. And, and again, to me, Deshaun Watson is number two. Um, It's not particularly close, but uh, you know, Pat Mahomes is just that much better. Um, and you know, for fantasy purposes, um, in my mind, but, uh, you know, a lot of people are kind of having a hard time right now with the decision between Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. And I think that those two are probably going to bounce back and forth, not only throughout this non-point scoring season, but just kind of just, just in general, I think that that's, you know, it's it's always going to be between those two, kind of the same way it was, um, you know, Brady or Manning for so long. You know, I, I and then uh, you know Rogers or Breeze. I, I I think this is this is kind of going to be the the new version of that. Um, so you know, I I think it's worth revisiting every now and then, especially when the two of them have a weekend like they just had. You know, I think I think it's important to kind of check in. Um, the other thing that's really nice here. So from the NFL's perspective, I mean, they have a weekend Super Bowl weekend where more people watch the NFL than any other weekend of the year. Um, because they, you know, obviously because of casual fans too, that tune in for the Super Bowl. Right. Mm -hmm. So on a weekend where more people are watching their game, uh, than, than at any other point in the, in the year they can feature two kids that are under 24 years old at the most important position in the game and have those two guys elevate the sport for the next generation of fans. Because, I mean, this is the new guard. I mean, and and, and I agree. I think Deshaun Watson is in there as well. Um, 
you know, I, I there there's other guys too, but they're not coming in my brain right now because I'm not looking at a sheet. Sorry. Um, you know, but you had the you had and, and every yeah, Skylar Murray's another one. Absolutely. That, you know, um Baker, if if Baker rebounds, you know, he's a little bit different personality, I think, than these other guys, but hey, is what it is, right? Um but but yeah, it's exciting for the game. I mean, you know, I remember the excitement and, and this happens every I don't know, every so often in the league, right? So it was it was um you know, it was Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Then it was, you know, then you had, you know, the Aaron Rodgers and and Drew Brees and those guys. And then it was the Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, Robert Griffin the 3rd guys, you know, and Cam Newton and like you just every so often you have just a group of finishes. Yeah. Yes, but this group this group, from an entertainment standpoint, from from entertaining football, I've not watched a football. So, so probably the best NFL game I've seen that I can remember recently is the Rams Chiefs game on Monday night a couple years ago, where it was like 50, 54 to forty eight or something like that. It was they it was just nuts. Super fun game. The second one is Chiefs Ravens when they met last year. And and the two those two quarterbacks that was you know Lamar hadn't started he'd only started seven games at the end of that season when when they met in the playoffs and that was a fantastic football game then they played again this year I think they played this year didn't they Yep Yeah and that was a fantastic game back and forth high scoring I mean it's just it's really excite it's a really exciting time to be a fan of the National Football League because of these young quarterbacks um, and it's easy. At least for me, it's easy to root for both of these guys. All three of these guys. Deshaun Watson, too, is another one. I mean, those, all, those three guys right there are three guys that you can pin your hat to and let them lead the league for the next decade. Yeah. Man, it's going to be over the course of about four years. We're going to end up with half the league just kind of um, just just loaded with with these young quarterbacks. You know, it started with that Goff, Wentz, Prescott draft class, and then, and then you get Watson, and you get Mahomes, and then, uh, you know, from there, and then you get Lamar Jackson, and possibly Baker Mayfield, possibly Sam Darnold, um, and then now, you know, we've got, um, uh, uh, drawing a blank. On the, well, we got Kyler, uh, we got Kyler. DJ. Yeah. You know. Uh, Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke. Yep. I, I, I think, and and Gardner Minshew. I mean, he, he's still getting left out of way too many quarterback conversations right at the moment, and and he's going way too late in a lot of superflex drafts. People are worried about Nick Foles being in Jacksonville and the fact that you know this might be a really short leash for Gardner Minshew, and that's that's true. That's you know that's obviously a risk. That's a risk with a lot of guys, by the way. Uh, but I mean, to me, Gardner Minshew is, I mean, it's, it's just, it's so obvious that Gardner Minshew is the guy who not only, you know, not only brings that offensive spark, um, both with his legs and with his arm, he also has the locker room and Nick Foles is a great locker room guy, but when the locker room is behind somebody other than Nick Foles, you know you've got something special. I don't see any way 
that Gardner Minshew is not the starting quarterback for Jacksonville in 2020. Now, again, he could have a short leash. You're paying a backup $25 million. <laughs> like there, There's going right. to be some motivation to get him on the field. I just, I don't, I don't see, I don't think Baker may, or I don't think that Gardner Minshew allows for that to happen. I don't, th- I, I just don't think that he's going to play poorly enough to, to warrant benching him. So um, I, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I think that this 2019 rookie class is going to be just as good as, as any of them uh, when all is said and done. So I, you know, we're going to end up with a handful of young quarterbacks here and it makes Superflex so much more, more relevant. Um, you know, people always ask me, you know, what they, they say, yeah, I'm trying to get my league to go from one quarterback to Superflex. What's the argument? And, you know, the, the first and most obvious one to me is that in, you know, in all of sports, there's not a more glorified position than the quarterback position. Yet in fantasy football, it, uh, particularly in one one quarterback fantasy football, I mean, we're waiting until the very last round in some cases to take our starting quarterback. It's like absolutely backwards from reality. But like, if that's not compelling to people, here's the next piece is you get another position with with a significant amount of value and it just, it, it just strengthens the entire economy of your entire league to have that extra position. All of a sudden Pat Mahomes is, is worth the first overall pick, you know, and, and you know, not just in your startup, but in trading, like in trade value, you know, Pat Mahomes all of a sudden is worth, uh, you, you know, you you could trade Alvin Kamara, uh, try and trade Alvin Kamara for Pat Mahomes, but it's probably going to take more than than Kamara in a lot of cases. You know, and that's good for the league. That's good for the entire league to have that much added value. But now, yeah, I mean, there's there's yet another piece to this, which is, you know, the the this young group of quarterbacks is just so exciting. And like you said, having guys like that, guys who are going out and performing the way they do on your roster is just so much more fun. Think about having two of them. I mean, now you there's a possibility that you get Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson on the same roster. I mean, you're probably not going to do it in a startup this year. Like it's, it would take a lot, but like in a, in a startup auction, you could absolutely do that. And just imagine like just how much more fun, you know, fantasy football Sundays would be when you've got those two guys, mm-hmm. you know, so it's just, it, it, it just, it's making super flex more fun. It's making super flex more relevant. Um, and, and for all of the, you know, everyone who's still trying to find ways around taking quarterbacks early, it's just like, what, why, why are you so masochistic? (laughs) Why won't you allow yourself to have some fun here? Because these, these quarterbacks are fun, man. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And, and, and it is, it's just, it's, it's an exciting time for the league with all these young guys balling out. Um, and and again, you know, we we just showcased two of them this weekend. I mean, it was it was awesome. It was awesome to watch Lamar Jackson his you know his speech, watching all the highlights of all the stuff he did this year. You know, I mean, just outstanding. 
um, and, and electrifying, um, you know, and then, and then you get the Super Bowl game and uh, again, I want to qualify like Pat Mahomes had a shitty game. Yeah. 286 and two touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. Like that's a shitty game for Pat Mahomes. And, and seriously, like half of those yards, I mean, not exactly, but uh, roughly half of those yards and all and both touchdowns came in like the, the last six minutes. Yeah. 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 And and so so it's it's not. Yeah, it's the most critical stress inducing time in the, in the game in the most important game that he'll ever play in, at least up to this point. And all he does is lead his team to three touchdowns and throw for a crap ton of yards and win the MVP. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's just it's it could not have been a better story for the league. Um, you know, I think you're going to see. If, if you don't already have a ton of bandwagon chief fans, I think that's the next team that's going to get a bunch of bandwagon fans. Um and I get it. I mean, the guy's just super exciting to watch. Both of those guys are super exciting to watch. These young quarterbacks, um, you know, especially the four that we mentioned. Um, and, and the other one that doesn't get mentioned for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, because of some preconceived opinions about the guy. And number two, because of where he plays is Josh Allen. You oh, know, he's a good point. Yeah. He, he's another guy that is, is, I mean, he's 23 years old, just led the bills to the, the playoffs, you know, and, and had a hell of a year, um, you know, and again, just, just an exciting player to watch. He's, it's not always pretty. It's not always pretty with Pat Mahomes throwing sideways, looking one direction and throwing it this way, you know, but it's fun. It's exciting, you know, and, and all of these guys, um, really are, are just super fun to watch. And, and I think the league is in, in good hands if all of them can stay healthy. And that's the only thing, again, for me, the style of play that is the NFL quarterback these days, um, you know, it, it, it's the only thing that's concerning. It's just, are they going to stay healthy? As long as they stay healthy, I think it's going to be a fun decade of football um, with these guys at the helms of their teams. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think that we should talk about... Uh, the quarterback on the other side, because so, you know, I, Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I don't I don't know exactly what your opinion is. I know that, you know, by and large, the Superflex Super Shows Super Team is uh, not um, not not fans of Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't mind Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I think that um I mean, the, and this is this is kind of an overall philosophy difference. Uh, that I have compared to, you know, particularly Stompy and James the Brain. Um, I'm not I'm not totally familiar with uh, with Dr. Ethan's um, view on some of these guys, but um, and I definitely I'm I'm about to get your opinion on some of this. But <laughs> so for me, I, I don't mind game managers in Superflex. I think that that's that's important to have. That I mean, I love having you know the the upside of uh, you know, I, obviously Mahomes has both the floor and the ceiling. Um, and, and this year, so did Lamar Jackson going forward to me, Lamar Jackson's going to be a, a, a kind of a boom bust guy. I don't, I don't believe that 
what he just did in 2019, as good as he is, as, as talented as he is overall, I don't even want to count 2019 as his ceiling. Like that's, that's um, calling it his ceiling would indicate that, you know, there's a possibility that it happens again. And I really don't, I don't believe that. Um, but, you know, you brought up Josh Allen. That That's a great example here of, of kind of what I'm talking about. I, I like having the upside of a guy like Josh Allen um, or, you know, a Cam Newton. And then you kind of balance it out with a little bit of a game manager type of guy. And, uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is usually a, a tier or two below the guys that I generally operate with. Um, but I, you know, I, I think like if I was going to take on an orphan team, I think you could do a lot worse, generally speaking, than Jimmy Garoppolo is your quarterback too. Um, or at least quarterback three, you know, I, I, I think that you can, uh, you can put together a contending team pretty easily with a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo at your super flex position. Now the problem here becomes so you know we 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 tend to to break fantasy analysts into one of two camps you know there's the uh there's the analytics side that you know the the statistics and analytics side and there's the tape side um you know the the kind of the eye test type of guy um type of analyst and um I, I tend to put myself a little bit more of those two. I probably call myself more of a tape guy. Um, although I try and use all those tools, but primarily I think that there's a, there's a third, uh, there's a third camp. And I think that this is where I belong in its narratives. <laughs> I, <laughs> I find these trends and I, I, and I hammer on them. And, and we keep seeing this play out there, there, there's some of these things and, and some of these that I talk about that, um, you know, for like the, the running back who, who finishes top five, you know, how they almost never finish, uh, as a top five running back ever again in their career, much less in consecutive years. Like the fact that we just got that from Christian McCaffrey is outlier as hell. Like that hasn't happened in almost a decade. So, um, you know, that's the type of narrative that really kind of compels me. There's another big one and it's that Super Bowl hangover, man. We see that every year, save for the Patriots a couple of times, the, the team that loses the Super Bowl ends up having a very down year offensively the following year. We just saw it again with Jared Goff. You know, we've, we, uh, we saw it with, um, uh, Matt Ryan and the Falcons saw with cam and the Panthers. Yep. Yep. The Panthers, um, you know, before that we saw with Peyton Manning, he had that, that 55 touchdown season, broken records all over the place gets crushed by the Seahawks and honestly was never the same Mm -hmm. the following year. Um, started off fine statistically, but by the end of the season, it was like, man, that was like that, that like the second half of the season in particular was actually pretty brutal. 
So, you know, we we've we see this play out all the time. And I don't know totally what it is. Like psychologically, I'm sure it takes its toll to get all the way through, you know, 18, 19 games, get to the Super Bowl and then to lose, especially the way that the Niners lost to have a 10 point lead, you know, halfway through the fourth quarter and then to to still lose that game. That's got to take its toll. And I wouldn't be surprised if it affects performances. But, you know, whatever the, the reason is, it, part of it is, too, you get to the Super Bowl and, you know, all of a sudden your players are on a pretty big stage. You know, there's there's a lot of eyes on these guys all of a sudden. You've got some guys, the San Francisco 49ers have some guys who are, you know, Emmanuel Sanders is going to be a free agent. Uh, Matt Breda is going to be a restricted free agent. Like all of a sudden, it, it, it's going to be a little bit tough to re-sign some of these guys. You know, you're you're gonna you're gonna lose some guys. You're gonna lose some offensive linemen. You're gonna lose some pass catchers. Um, you're gonna you lose some guys on defense and have yeah. to rely on him to not be a game manager and be a game winner. Yeah, and can he do that? You know? Right. Yeah, right. that's that's a question for sure. So I, I the bottom line here is. For you know, for a variety of reasons, these teams go through this stuff. Now, with Jared Goff, I mean, you could absolutely blame it on the fact that you know his wide receivers weren't staying healthy throughout the season. His offensive line was extremely beat up, and then there was Todd Gurley. You know, you kind of lost Todd Gurley at the end of 2018, and that you know that's where the defense really or the offense really started to slow down in the first place, but. You know, there, there's always there are always reasons for this, but for the one constant is that this absolutely freaking happens. <laughs> These teams have that down year after losing the Super Bowl, and I, I to a point where we have to plan on it. To me, we have to plan on it with the San Francisco 49ers, and I think it starts with Jimmy Garoppolo. That's that's my personal opinion on it. Yeah, and and I mean Jimmy G is going to get a lot of a lot of the blame for this, um, and I don't think it's necessarily all his fault. Yes, he look. Here's the deal: if he makes the throw to Emmanuel Sanders on the deep post, we're not talking about we we the first thirty minutes of this show, or at least the last fifteen, we're not talking about because the Niners win the Super Bowl. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. When they got the ball back down 24-20 and Manny Sanders beats his guys over the top and it's just two feet, three feet out in front of, of him and he can't make the catch, you know, so he's overthrown. That one play changes the whole narrative to Jimmy G's heading into the, to, to this non-point scoring season, right? I mean, he makes that throw. We're not talking about Jimmy GQ, the game manager. We're talking about, hey, is this guy a top 10 quarterback? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's it's funny how those things work out. I, I Look, the thing with, with Garoppolo, I'm with you. I, I mean, he, he certainly has value in Superflex leagues. Um, I would feel more than comfortable with him as my quarterback, too. Um, if he's my QB one, I'm a little concerned. Um, I, I think he's being he. So Jan, I was looking at January ADP for Superflex uh, that that uh, you do a fine job, sir, uh, collecting over at DLF. Um, so 
Yes, sir. So thank you for that. But I was looking at the quarterbacks and it looks like he's he's the 11th quarterback going off the board in January ADP. That's too high for me. I mean, he's going over guys like Dan, Daniel Jones, Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford. I want Stafford all day. Um, You know, Matt Ryan, Sam Darnold. I want all those guys over Jimmy Garoppolo personally. So I just think it's a little out of whack. You know, he he did have a great year, 27 touchdowns, 13 picks. Now, 15 of those 27 touchdowns came in four games. <laughs> you know, two against the Cardinals, uh, one against the Bengals, and then he did have the outstanding game. His best game of the season was against New Orleans in, at the Superdome. Um, that was the best game he played all year. and. Um, he made the throws in that game. He had Sanders late in the game on that deep, the same play. It was probably the same play. I don't know if it's the exact same play, but a similar play. And he makes the throw in that game and Sanders takes it to the house and they win the game. So, you know, but I, yeah, I just, you know, 15 of those 27 touchdowns in, in four games. So he had 12 touchdowns in 12 other games this year, you know? So it's, it's, I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't think as far as the Super Bowl performance goes early in the game, they ran their offense late in the game. It felt like they went away from their offense. They asked him to be more of that leader quarterback. That's going to put the game on his shoulders. And instead of running the ball, they, they should have just kept running the football is my opinion on it. Um, you know, and, and again, he now I think he handled it very well. I mean, afterwards, listening to the press conferences and stuff, I thought he handled it very well. He's like, you know, hey, proud of the team, like, you know, just didn't make enough plays myself and the team and that, you know, whatever. I like Garoppolo. I think he can be a starter in the league. I think he can get the Niners back to that game. And if he does, maybe it's again, it's one throw. He makes that one throw and it's a different conversation that we're having. So, um, you know, now is he is he a guy that when you're down late in the game, can you is he a clutch quarterback that you can rely on to make big throws? I don't know. I, I mean, at, based on Sunday, I'd say maybe not, but that's a short, that's a small sample size. You know, so um, we'll see what happens with him moving forward. I, I think he is being drafted too high, um, and I think you know some of that is is just the team was very good. And he was serviceable as a QB two in, in Superflex and probably gave you a couple big weeks, you know, late in the year, late in the fantasy year. He gave you those couple big weeks against New Orleans, against Arizona. So um, you know, that that sticks in people's minds. They they start drafting him a little bit higher than uh, you know, because they're seeing him. He's he's a playoff quarterback, his team's winning, they go to the Super Bowl. Um for me though, I I would want those other guys that are behind him. Um you know, DJ, Goff, Stafford, Ryan, Darnold. I want all those guys before Garoppolo personally. Yeah. Darnold is a tough one. He still has Adam Gase kind of weighing him down. But um, I mean, I think I agree with that one even for at least for 2020. So if you're doing a startup here in 2020, I mean, I to me at least, again, it's com that narrative is compelling. That trend is compelling. The fact that you're going to have to wait until 2021 to get 
you know, Jimmy Garoppolo kind of back to full strength back, um, you know, where he could at least, you know, push his ceiling a little bit, if not actually hit it. Um, you know, the chances are in 2020, again, you know, whatever, whatever the, the symptoms are going to ultimately be, I don't know. Um, but it, it, it feels like just, it just, it happens way too often that these guys have that, you know, that post Super Bowl hangover, um, that down year that it just, it just feels like a slam dunk that, that that's coming. Um, that kind of covers the quarterbacks <laughs> there there they kind of went in two opposite directions and and like i said so that's why i wanted to bring up the hypothetical with pat mahomes mm-hmm. uh, because of that narrative if 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 the chiefs had not finished that game if they had not gone on to win that the super bowl then all of a sudden the narrative is man the kansas city chiefs are in for that down year you know specifically pat mahomes what the hell is that going to look like <laughs> so so uh I I and and I don't know. I mean it's 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 a little tough to speculate. I do think that it probably would have would have messed with me a little bit, but I I don't think that I could even you know drop him below 1.01 even if that was the case. Um but let's talk about some of the other positions. Just just kind of um stream of consciousness. Like give me some guys from both Kansas City and San Francisco. That after watching the Super Bowl, after watching, you know, these guys um, on the on the biggest stage, uh, who are some guys that you think may have, um, you know, enhanced their their uh, dynasty value? Who are some guys that you uh, that you might see drop a little bit? Yeah, so there there's a lot of interesting stuff to to dissect, you know, from this particular game. I mean, I think the obvious one for me is Damian Williams. Right. I mean, he has huge game rushing the football. People are calling for him to be the MVP, saying he got robbed, all that stuff. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, this is this takes us back to midseason or, or or not even midseason earlier before the season where people were like, well, is who's going to is he going to be the guy? Oh, he maybe he is going to be the guy. Maybe he's not going to be the guy. They have to draft a 2020 running back. Right. Do they? <laughs> I mean, do you do you spend that capital when the guy runs for 105 yards or whatever it was and two touchdowns in this game? I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's you know, I I mean, I think they'll probably draft a running back, yeah, but I don't think they're going to necessarily spend capital on it like everybody wants them to. Um, you know, if if they don't draft one of those guys, you know, they don't draft J.K. Dobbins, they don't draft. Uh, Swift or Taylor or any of those backs and it's you know um, you know a fifth round or sixth round running back well then maybe Damian Williams you know maybe he gets another boost or maybe it feels more solidified that he's the guy in that offense Um, you know the one thing about Williams this year is he produced when he was healthy he didn't. He wasn't healthy very much, you know. Half, that over half the season, he's struggling with with injuries and stuff. And when he was splitting time with Shady and all that, but I mean, when he was called upon, he he performed, and he was a guy that you could have in lineups. Now, I mean, if if you're expecting Kareem Hunt numbers, well, then you're probably disappointed. But it's not like Damian Williams put up a bunch of duds, 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, and, and on the other side of that running back wise, I mean, Raheem Mostert, he ran all right in the, in the game on Sunday. Um, I, I don't, I don't remember even what, what he, he had, um, statistically speaking, but you know, I mean, he was a monster in the playoffs and especially, you know, against green Bay, um, so, you know, but but I don't know what that does to his value. I, I don't know that, you know, you saw Tevin Coleman start the game. He was he was banged up a little bit, comes back, he starts the game. And so that I, that running back situation in San Francisco really doesn't, I, I'm not real confident in <laughs> which one of those guys is going to get it on a week-to-week basis. It's kind of like a, a New England Patriots situation where it's like, who the hell is going to do it this week? Is it going to be Breda? Is it going to be... You know, is it going to be Mostert? Is it going to be? And I know you said Breda might move on, but is it going to be Mostert? Is it going to be Coleman? Is it going to be Debo? They're going to shove Debo back in the backfield and run him fifteen times. That's you know, right. I mean, who the hell? Who the hell is it going to be? So, Jarek McKinnon. Yeah, McKinnon. Jeez, oh man, Jet. Could you imagine? Yeah, you finally get him back. So, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 going to stay crowded. They have an out with Tevin Coleman. I don't have the contract in front of me, and it would take too long to pull it up. So I'm just gonna. Do what I always do and just uh, just kind of pull it out of thin air here. But uh, they have an out with Tevin Coleman. Um, I, there's there's a little bit of an out with Matt Breda. I mean, restricted free agent. I don't know. There's not much reason to not bring him back. But, he man, he ended up in Shanahan's doghouse somehow. Um, I'm not even sure what happened there. But he got, like, in the playoffs, he got something like two carries. Like, the, the, in, the entire way through. Um, out of out of I want to say the the team had something like a hundred carries in the playoffs and Matt Breda got two so you know <laughs> just reading some tea leaves a little bit it, it, it feels like I mean again there's absolutely no reason not to give Matt Breda that you know the original round tender but I, they might not <laughs> um and you know, even if they do, I would be shocked if if that didn't get matched. Um, I, you know, I I think I I and you know maybe what maybe what was happening there is they were trying to devalue him so they can sneak him through free agency a little bit. But um, I mean, if that was legit, if if uh, if Shanahan was really that over Matt Breda that easy, then. Uh, it, it's very possible that they move on from him, even though he's practically free. Yeah, and so Colm, the Coleman, uh, he, they literally can cut him. Yeah, no, no dead money. There so, yeah, and and I would not be surprised at all if they did that. To yeah. Be honest. Um, what's his contract situation like if they if they if they if they keep him, it's uh, four point nine mil, all yeah. all in. So that includes bonuses. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And, and April 1st is the cut cutoff of that. Yeah. As far as, uh, whether or not he get he gets $2 million, uh, fully guaranteed on the 1st of April. So I wonder what Garoppolo's contract is like, um, because I feel like his is coming up here soon. Um, oh so, no! They just they just locked him up long term. So yeah, so they do have an out right now. 
um, 4.2 million dead cap. So nothing basically. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and they owe him over the next three years. He's 25 over 25 million each year. Yeah. Base. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So he, <clears throat> anyways, I mean, I think they could probably use a cap relief. I guess that's, that's kind of the thing. I, you know, 5 million doesn't seem like a lot for Tevin Coleman, but, um, I, I, I think they could use that. Uh, I would not be surprised to see them move on from Tevin Coleman, especially with the emergence of Raheem Moster. I know that there was, it was still a committee approach to me. Raheem Moster has been the best running back on that roster all season. Like since day one, even when he had to fight through that depth chart, you know, he had to, to fight past Tevin Coleman and Matt Breda. To me, I mean, you just you, you get a guy that size who runs like that and catches the ball like that. I mean, that's that's it, it, the he he's going way too late in startup drafts right now. Um, I'm going to look up his ADP while I'm talking here because it's it's. Uh, it's it's offensive really it's uh so he's going in the 11th round one two four yeah 1104 so he's going at one spot after devonta freeman one spot ahead of david johnson guys that you know people have really just kind of given up on altogether. um he's going after sony michelle after ronald jones uh um uh, you know, Kenyon Drake. It, uh, so it's not too bad. Part of the problem is going in the 11th round. Um, that's uh, basically in between rookie 2020 rookie picks 2.01 and 2.02. If you're telling me I could get Raheem Mostert for 2.02, like, I mean, uh, sign me up for sure. I would absolutely take that. The lead back in in that offense which, by the way, that that's how you fight through that post Super Bowl hangover is with the running game. Like that's the one position that generally doesn't suffer a whole lot, um, because that's kind of the that's kind of the easy like default for an offense. If you're having a hard time getting anything going, just turn and hand off. Just just keep going. Just keep softening that defense until something pops. So, um, Raheem Mostert to me, I, I mean. The the should be the feature back in that offense, and he should absolutely be going, kind of in the same range as is guys. Honestly, like he should be going ahead of Austin Eckler. He should be going ahead of Carryon Johnson. Those are sixth round guys. So so here's the only thing about so I don't I don't oh I don't necessarily agree. Yeah. Wow. Um, especially with especially with Eckler, That's I think as confrontational as you get. By the I way, <laughs> that is about as confrontational as I get. <laughs> um, so here's the thing with Moster. I think so. If um, so, if they cut Tevin Coleman, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I agree, and I think I think he's done enough this year that they should potentially consider that now. There's a lot of time between now and then. You don't know who's coming back. I mean, especially, you know, they got McKinnon coming back too that adds some depth. 
if he's still is he is his contract still i don't even know what the <laughs> hell his the deal is with his contract either but anyways yeah i i mean i think mostert has shown that he deserves to be the lead guy in that backfield having said that i don't know that you can assume he's going to be because Kyle Shanahan doesn't run a one back system it was freeman and coleman in atlanta it was coleman and mostert in san francisco it's you know and breda too i mean so i if if I knew he was going to be the guy that he's been in the playoffs, then yes, I agree. I would I would pay in uh, uh, an early second and be fine with that. I just don't know for sure that he's going to be that guy. I think he can be. I think he should get the opportunity to be. I just don't know that Shanahan's going to allow it to happen. And because of that, I probably wouldn't pay quite as high of a second as maybe I would if I knew for sure that he was going to be solidified into that role. And Eckler, the one thing about, so I don't carry on. That's, I mean, I have no idea how I feel about carry on Johnson. Just I'm putting that out there. I have no idea. Swag has was trying to trade him to me in, in uh, the Superflex army league that we're in. And I, yeah, me too. I just, I didn't know what to do. I, I was like, uh, like I just don't know how I don't have any idea how I feel about Carry On Johnson anymore. Um, yeah. but in, in but a, Eck, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, I just wanted to throw out there the problem is so uh, DFF underscore Swag. Um, I gotta be honest, Swags. I have no idea how to say your last name, so you're gonna have to tell me at some point. But uh, our boy Shane, uh, from the Super Flexible Podcast, Rookie Fever, and uh, FF Breakdown. Um, he, he lives in Michigan. He's got his finger on the pulse of that one. So, uh, yeah, when he started shopping, carry on, um, I, I, so I missed my opportunity to, 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 you know, accept or decline a similar trade, but, uh, I, I don't know that I could have done it anyways. Just, I, I was just immediately like, you're trying to give me carry on Johnson. What are you up to, man? Yeah. Yeah. Same. And I, I, I think our deal was around Geis and I I'm a big I mean I've I've been a big Geis supporter so um anyways the Eckler one for me is look so we don't know what they're going to do at quarterback right I mean Tyrod or a rookie likely maybe Justin Herbert um Tua who probably won't play next year or won't play at the beginning of the year. Um, so, so that situation is a little bit unsettled, but if they don't draft another running back, if LA doesn't draft another running back, Austin Eckler for me is an RB one easily, not even close. Mm-hmm. He might be a top six to seven guy. I mean, he's, he's good. For sure. Yeah. So that one to me is a little bit more, you know, and and we're assuming Melvin Gordon is gone, right? So yeah, it has to be. So if he's gone and they don't draft another running back, I mean, Eckler's stock is going through the roof. And to me, I'd rather have, I mean, I think I'd rather have Eckler than, than Mostert, even if Mostert gets that job. I just think I've seen enough out of Eckler, especially in the receiving game. I mean, his floor is so high because of the receiving work that he gets in PPR leagues. 
that I, I think I would rather, you know, I, I would rather have him. But but your point is is a good one about Mostert. And I agree. I think he's done enough. He's shown me enough. Now, I'm not the coach of the Niners. I mean, if John Lynch wants to pay me a couple million bucks, I mean, hell, I'll do it for like 50 grand. But, um, You're but yeah. You're as qualified as he was when he got the job, by the way. So. <laughs> His, his, uh, his famous thing was uh, blowing out RG3's knee, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah. But I mean, I, I'm with you. I like Mostert. I think he deserves the opportunity to take hold of that job. I hope he gets that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you on Eckler. I think that my I'm kind of operating under the assumption that they're probably going to draft somebody. And even if they don't, I, I think they're still going to take a committee approach with him with, you know, Justin Jackson, Justin Jackson right? Um, the Holy Father, Troy May Pro Pope could be in the mix there. But um, and I would I would love that one, too. But uh, I, it, yeah, if, if they left off Austin Eckler alone like they should, um, then, yeah, he's he's kind of. He, he could easily be a top five guy next year. I just don't know if he's going to get that shot. Um, one other guy that I wanted to talk about, because to me, actually, like as much as I'm sitting here saying, you know, that the trend is that the San Francisco 49ers are headed for a very down season. They have some really interesting weapons on offense. Um, and, and I kind of didn't see it coming. Like it felt like a very a very blah offense most of the season. Uh, and again, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo was kind of there as the game manager, but all of a sudden, you know, Raheem Mostert with all the versatility that he brings you. And then, you know, George Kittle um, is a very, to me, a very versatile offensive weapon. And now you've got Debo Samuel. Uh, all of a sudden, and, you know, I, I, I think that people kind of caught on to this one um, fairly early. Uh, you know, he's, he's going in round six, um, kind of right in the middle of round six, he's going ahead right now of Tyler Boyd, Tyler Lockett, Christian Kirk, among others, a wide receiver. So, so, you know, his, his value is probably about where it should be. Um, it, and it might, it might actually go up a little bit here just from recency bias, just from, you know, the fact that we've seen him recently, um, and, and the way that they're going to use him, um, but I, I don't think that I would necessarily have a problem with that. I think I would still, I would still pursue him kind of in the end of the, um, you know, the middle to the end of the fifth round. I would consider him over guys. I, I would consider him over DK Metcalf or, or DJ Chark, two guys who are going ahead of him. Um, so let me, can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. So, so first of all, I agree. I mm -hmm. like Debo a lot. Do you have any concerns that Debo and this situation turns into a Dante Pettis thing? Um, no, I don't. And and here's why: is I just the way that they use Debo Samuel. You know, it it, it like he's not going to disappear because he can't get separation in the passing game. Like they're they're using him the way Kansas City used Tyreek Hill early on, you know, where it was it was like even if we have to hand it off to this the manufactured guy, just, touches, right? yeah, we just yep. need the ball in his hand. Yep. Um, and, and I and I think that that's going to continue. 
And, and that really kind of does lead to, um, you know, more effectiveness in the passing game. It, at least it, we saw that with Tyreek Hill, you know, just kind of the, um, it, it, it's, it's kind of like a confidence thing, you know, both for him and for the, uh, the, the, the scheme, you know, for the, for the offensive coordinator, um, just kind of the idea that, you know, it, it, good things are going to happen. Positive yardage is going to be gained as long as Debo Samuel has the ball in his hands. Um, it's just going to kind of lead to more opportunities in the passing game as well, more volume, more targets. So, um, yeah, yeah, where where Dante Pettis, I mean, it was kind of a, it, it was pretty spotty with him, you know, even in his rookie year where we saw some pretty significant flashes. Uh, it, it was still pretty spotty with him where Debo Samuel uh, it's been, it's been pretty consistent that, you know, there's a, there's a pretty big, a, a pretty high priority on getting him the football. I think that's going to continue. Um, and, and I do, I, I just think that there's, you know, that comp that, that the parallels with Tyreek Hill um, is just really compelling to me. Um, here we are. Tyreek Hill at this point is probably a top five dynasty wide receiver. And he's the least prototypical of all the guys in the top five. You would not expect that out of Tyreek Hill, but I think Debo Samuel's on that same track. Yeah, I love Debo. Um, I, I just, I've seen that narrative on Twitter about, oh, this is Dante Pettis 2.0. Like, Everybody got excited about Pettis, overdrafted him, and then he gets like two catches all year. So I just wondered if you if you thought that that was a similar situation. I agree with you. I don't think it is. I think they're very different players. Um, and and I really like the way that the Niners have used Debo. <clears throat> Another guy on the wide receiver core there is Kendrick Bourne, too. He kind of flashed towards oh, the end yeah. of the season here. A big, big-bodied wide receiver can go up and make contested catches. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they get him more involved in this offense next season. Um, I'd like to see that. I would, I would like to see, you know, him get that opportunity to get a little bit more involved there. Yeah. Yeah. They seriously, they've got a really cool mix of, of offensive weapons. Um, with, you know, you've got the size with Kittle and Bourne and you've got the, the speed with, you know, guys like Moster and, um, and Debo and it, yeah, it's just, there's, but there's just a lot of versatility all over the field for them. It's it it's an interesting offense. It's too bad that they lost the Super Bowl, and so now they have to suck for a year. <laughs> yeah. So so the other position here that I do want to talk about again, you brought up George Kittle a little bit. Um, so the tight ends in this game were relatively quiet. Kelsey caught the touchdown uh, when they were down twenty ten. He got the touchdown with six minutes to go. That that was the first score that kind of got Kansas city back in the game, obviously, um, and made a couple timely catches for first downs as well. But overall, I mean, we're used to seeing Kelsey and Kittle kind of run wild and, you know, eight catches, 140 yards, touchdowns all over the place, making huge blocks and different things. You know, this game outside of Kittle's pass interference, offensive pass interference, which was a bogus call, by the way, um, you know, outside of that, you didn't really talk too much about those two guys. I, I expected them to be a lot more involved in the game. Um, you know, I'm wondering what this 
you know, look, the fantasy community is the most reactive community that there is in the world ever. So I would assume there's going to be some type of reaction to this. I mean, I think George Kittle is a little insulated because he's young. He's 26 or 25 or 26 or whatever. Um, you know, and, and is regarded as one of the top probably two tight ends in the league. Okay. But Travis Kelsey is going to be 30 years old. So do we see Kelsey's value start to dip now that he hit that 30 year old window? And I know it's a little bit different for tight ends than it is for running backs, wide receivers, et cetera. Um, but do we start to see Travis Kelsey's value dip a little bit? I would not be shocked. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. And, you know, I, they they do each position does kind of have a different, you know, career expectancy, um, different career arcs. Um, but the, one thing that we found out about the tight end position is that it's a it's a brutal one. It's it's pretty uh, it's pretty taxing on on the body. So, it, you know, to make it to 30 years old, um, you know, relatively healthy is is tough to do. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it feels like this is where you start to drop off a little bit for him. Um, th- you know, the, maybe the one thing that could help is it sounds like Sammy Watkins probably is not on roster in, uh, in 2020. Um, so, you know, you, you kind of Kelsey, I mean, Kel- Kelsey's really kind of been the, the big body, you know, red zone and, and chain moving guy. Anyways, he's been the alpha there anyways, but you're, you're losing one of your primary uh, compliments as far as that goes with Sammy Watkins. So, um, you know, there's just job security for Travis Kelsey. The guy I'm a little bit more worried about is Kittle actually, Uh, you know, super young. And we know how, you know, athletically I would take Kittle over Travis Kelsey and, and people are, you know, in, in startup drafts, uh, Kels, uh, Kittle is going as the, the first tight end off the board, generally in the middle of round two. Um, and then you don't see Kelsey go until you get to, you know, early round four. So, you know, people are pretty on board with the fact that, you know, Kittle is younger. Kittle is more athletic. He's not as big, but, you know, just kind of the overall athleticism. Um, it is the, you know, just and and just overall the the juice that he brings to that offense. People remember that long play to set up the uh, you know the game tying um, uh, was it a touchdown or field goal against uh, against the Saints? I think it was just a, went, yeah, he, he stiff armed the yeah. kept going up the sidelines. Yeah, yeah, just could not be stopped. But you know, people remember that. People, you don't see a lot of that from Travis Kelsey. You see. You see with Travis Kelsey, you see a just kind of just just consistent, just solid, you know, mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. seven, eight catches a game, um, you know, 80 to 120 yards a game usually gets in the end zone. It, it, he's just he's just so solid. But Kittle is like is explosive. Mm-hmm. I there there was some stuff, though, with Kittle um it, it felt like he checked out late in that game when they got, you know, when, when Kansas city came back and took the lead, it felt like Kittle just kind of disappeared. And that's not good, especially if we're going to get that down year that, like I was kind of saying, 
um, kind of what I'm expecting from San Francisco. Uh, this could be, uh, you know, that there, there could be a lot of, of disappointment and emotion for George Kittle mm-hmm. in 2020. And it seems like that's something that might affect him more than most. I mm-hmm. I'm just, I, I'm a little, I'm, I, I, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm going to be pretty cautious with George Kittle, uh, in 2020. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't really have reservations with either of the guys. I mean, I think the the points about the the hangover and those types of things I think are very valid and um and and certainly we'll have to keep an eye on those. I'm not worried long term on Kittle. I think he'll bounce back. Might start slowly, might have to work through some stuff, but I think he'll bounce back. Kelsey, the Kelsey one is interesting to me because I mean, if I can get Kelsey in the fourth round, I mean, I'm all over that. Like, he's a stud. I mean, four straight seasons at the tight end position with a thousand yards receiving, never been done before. No tight end, not Gronkowski, not Tony Gonzalez. You pick your greatest tight end of all time. None of them have had four straight seasons of a thousand yards. And now, and and so first of all, I mean, last year, you know, obviously with Pat Mahomes the last two seasons, but two seasons with Alex Smith, too. I mean, and he's tied to Mahomes for as long as Mahomes plays. So I mean, this is a dude that at 30 years old, if his value is starting to slip, please send him my way. I, I would gladly take Travis Kelsey right now for the next three years with Pat Mahomes as his quarterback all day, every day, tight end premium. Oh my God. Like, Oh, I'm getting kind of excited about it. About we always get excited. You know, Russ and I, my, my, my buddy, Russ and I, we always get excited about the tight ends, right? (laughs) (laughs) Where we say sometimes we're a tight end show over there. So, but no, Travis Kelsey is just, he's just a stud. And I think, this is one of those times where if people start selling him because he's an older asset, buy low. Buy. Take advantage of that and go get him. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, the, the tight end position is certainly getting deeper. Um, you know, we we had we just had breakouts by guys like Mark Andrews, uh, Darren Waller. Um, you know, we, we had the start of a, 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 a another start of an, another breakout from Will Disley uh, before we lost him. Um, Ryan Griffin, we saw a little bit of a breakout from him. Um, and we're still waiting on O.J. Howard and David Njoku. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we've got, you know, T.J. Hawkinson and Noah Fant. Dallas Goddard is coming. Da- Dallas Goddard. We, we, saw, we saw some flashes from him. It wasn't a full-on breakout, but that's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mike Jacecki probably has a breakout coming here soon. It, we, it, it's getting deep. You know, the the position is certainly getting deeper, um, but not so deep that you know you you really want to cycle through these guys. Um, you know, you're not necessarily looking to move on from an elite tier tight end. Uh, it, it you know it it's always better to get out um, too early than too late in dynasty but in this case i mean two 
you know, too, too late with Travis Kelsey. Um, even if we do start to see a decline here in his thirties too late for Travis Kelsey could, it is still probably several years away. So, um, one other thing on the tight end position, and, and this is not Super Bowl related. I just have it on good authority with the last pick of your startup drafts, grab Rob, Rob Gronkowski stash him. I just, I, I, I think that we're going to see him back on an NFL field here in 2020. Going to be with the Pats. I don't think so. I, I, I think that that's the big thing is trying to get away from, from new England. But, uh, um, I, I mean, you know, it'd be interesting as the Arizona Cardinals, you know, back to, uh, he, he, he came from Arizona. That's where he went to college. It, it would, uh, be interesting to see him back in the desert um, on a on a an up and coming offense that could actually that could absolutely use him. So, uh, but there there are several fits. I mean, Dallas would be a great fit for him. Um, I <laughs> wouldn't be too surprised to see him go to like Buffalo, for instance, and, and uh, you know get to run against the the Patriots twice a year. I, I don't know where he's going to land. I just think that he's going to be back in the NFL in 2020. Las Vegas with Captain Brady. Oh, there you go. That'd be a fun <laughs> one. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So so one thing I want to touch on, too, because you brought it up there just a minute ago, not being confrontational, just having discussion. <laughs> um, This is like the Brian Hart equivalent of, like, stompy yelling, <laughs> by the way. Call me an idiot. Um. So the I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and I've said it a couple times different places and on Twitter and whatnot, but I think I, I think the narrative of better to be early than late and getting out on guys is one that I typically have bought into mm-hmm. that most dynasty players buy into. Yeah. Um but there are certain players. Okay, and, and Kelsey's one. We we just talked about him. The other guy that for me breaks the mold is Julio Jones. Everybody seems to start moving away from Julio Jones. Yeah. Everybody. It's okay. It's time. 30 years old. We got to get out, right? Calvin Ridley's in the way. Austin Hooper's in the way. Yeah. So l- let, me, let me say something about the Falcons wide receiver hierarchy. Okay. Julio Jones is 30. Calvin Ridley is 26. I think by the time Julio Jones retires, Calvin Ridley will have a walker because <laughs> all, all players have walkers at 28 years old, according to this community. Yeah. So, so when is Calvin Ridley going to break out? <laughs> he's, he's, I mean, Julio Jones is the wide receiver one in Atlanta until he retires is, is the bottom line, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay. There are, there, there's a certain point that you hit where the the trade value of a player doesn't it doesn't make sense it's the trade value isn't equal to the value that you will get in the production back and for me and let now look if if we're talking about rebuilding teams absolutely absolutely get out of the old guys okay but if we're talking even a even a middle of the road contender, right? So somebody who's like, yeah, I'll probably make the playoffs this year, but 
there's some other strong teams. Maybe I'm not the contender, right? Maybe I'm not, you know, it would take a couple breaks here and there still. For me, Julio Jones and guys like Julio Jones, when the narratives start to roll at 30 years old that these guys aren't going to, they're, they're not, you know, for, I, I mean, have you tried to sell Julio Jones lately? Uh, I don't know if I have any Julio shares left. Okay, well, can't let me let me sum it sum up the market for Julio Jones. Can't get shit. Yeah. Okay. I I believe it. So I, for, I'm not sending any offers for him. I haven't been. Well, and but but for me, like the places where I already have him rostered, mm-hmm. I'm not moving him for less than. I mean, I'm not I'm not moving him because I'm not going to get the value back based on the production that he's going to give me over the next two to three years. There are certain players where I feel, this is just my opinion, but I think it's better to have certain players die on your roster. I really do. I, I think there are certain guys, guys like Julio Jones, or, or you know, players like that. Travis Kelsey's another one. You know, tight ends in general, you know, when you get to the elite ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I even think know, that I, with quarterbacks, personally. Quarterbacks, Aaron freaking Rodgers. There's no way you're and and John. Look, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not being. <laughs> I'm not being confrontational here. I promise. But Uh-oh. I mean, I, I love Aaron Rodgers. I love Aaron Rodgers. He yeah. is a guy. You are not going to get trade value out of Aaron Rodgers anymore. Period. Right. Period. So yeah. So if you have him on your rosters, keep him and enjoy the production because yep. it doesn't make sense to trade him away for. 50% of the value that he's that he should be worth you know when the production is still going to be there moving forward for the next however long 2 years that's yeah. just a, a ballpark you know what i mean there just there there comes a point again where the trade value and the production value aren't the same and it it makes more sense to hold on to the production value than it does to try to get something. It's, Oh, I got to get something. Well, what you're getting if you're holding on to him is two more years of elite Julio Jones or two more years of above average Aaron Rodgers or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know? So that's just something for me that has been, it's, it's been on my mind lately. That's been something that I've seen, you know, and, and again, like I said, I subscribed to the narrative too, and, and still believe that there's, there is a, there is a, an art to maybe moving a guy and getting some value to keep your roster turning over and young and sustainable for, you know, dynasty runs, right? It's dynasty. You want to win more than once. If you can, you want to win once though, first and some of these older guys will let you win that championship if you if you just hang on to them and don't try to get out for something if that something is significantly less value than you would get from the production value that those guys will give you yeah yeah particularly a wide receiver and tight end in fact just because you can you can find replacement guys on waivers when the time comes when Julio Jones retires you've got him on your roster and you have to cut him you know, just like you did with Calvin Johnson, you didn't see that one coming, you know, so you didn't have the opportunity to to get out early. And you did just fine, didn't you? Because you went <laughs> on waivers and, uh, you know, I don't even remember who the guys were at the time who were who would have been available to you. But you you found somebody on waivers. You found, um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, there was a there was a time not so long ago when Victor Cruz and was a was a waiver type of guy, and uh, uh, you know, T. Y. Hilton was somebody you probably could have got on waivers at one point or early in his career, um, it, it, you know, and then more recently, as in you know, this year, it, it was uh, it was DJ Chark and uh, Debo Samuel, probably. You know, those are those are guys you could have. You you can find guys like that on waivers. You're going to find guys like that on waivers. So it's not the same as, you know, and, and again, I think that you can do the same thing with quarterbacks. I think you can just let them die on, on your roster, even though you're not going to find a replacement for them. Uh, but it's just so much different with these guys when, you know, the your your waivers are just so much more fertile. Uh, at the wide receiver position than than at the quarterback position. So yeah, I I, I, I yeah, it, it just gets to a point where it's like, wh- what's what reason do I have to sell this guy? We've been there with Larry Fitzgerald for three years now. Correct. So. Yep. Exactly. AJ Green's going to be another one. Yep. You know, when he signs somewhere, if he can stay healthy, the value you're going to get, the production that you're going to get, is going to outweigh the, his trade value. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And we're, we're kind of there right at the moment with Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, he's, Mm -hmm. he's kind of at the other end now. He's, he's the guy he's officially expired on your roster and I I don't care. (laughs) I I don't care. I've found other wide receivers, you know, before, uh, before I officially lost any kind of value and any kind of production from Alshon Jeffrey. I, I, you know, I found Hunter Renfro, before I knew for a fact that Alshon Jeffrey was completely useless to me. So <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's, that's definitely, definitely true. Um, we are way over time. <laughs> uh, we are going to make an effort to, uh, to start to, to uh, cut these episodes down into a little bit more manageable chunks for you guys from now on. But um just hadn't had an opportunity to catch up with you, my friend Brian, um, and uh, especially right after the Super Bowl. I mean, it's just such the it, it was just kind of the perfect opportunity for us to to you know get together and talk football. So um, apologies for going over time, um, but uh, it was deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's another thing Stompy would always say to me when I start worrying about the time. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, would you just relax? But he says it in that like me gravelly voice. But, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways. Uh, so I, I, I have nothing to add to that. Uh, generally speaking, it is going to be a, a, a goal of ours to keep these, you know, a little bit lower. Um a little bit shorter on time. Um, but uh yeah, this one was just couldn't couldn't pass it up. This was this was too good of an opportunity here. So yeah, man, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, congratulations again to Andy Reid, congratulations to Pat Mahomes, um, each of the individual players on the Kansas City Chiefs, but uh I will not congratulate the Kansas City Chiefs organization. Um, but uh, congratulations to their fans. I will say that much. 
Um, with that, though, we're going to wrap it up for the week. And as we do ask you for a quick favor, if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, you can also subscribe to the DLF Family of Podcast Mega Feed and get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF. And once you're subscribed, if you give us a rating and review, not all podcatchers give you that option, but on the ones that do, those ratings and reviews help us to expand our reach, get out to a larger audience, involve more people in the conversation. And from there, we can really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener. And in the vein of listener interaction, send us your trades on Twitter at SuperFlexShow. And even better, send them to any one of us individually. Brian's at BrianHarFF. And I'm at Superflex Dude. We can retweet them for you, help you get more votes and comments. Sometimes we even bring them here on the podcast and analyze them for you. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song, The Addiction, that we use as our intro and outro music. And above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Until next week, stay sexy and super flexy.